and welcome back to the Saltworks podcast. I'm your host, Hallie Dye. Normally, the way we do things here, if you're new, is I have a really special guest, someone I know in my life, someone who's walked through trials, who has used and seen great faith, um, and seen God show up time and time again. And I hope you'll go back and listen to those stories because there are some really amazing insights and just amazing accounts of God showing up. And um, they're really powerful stories. But today's a little different. And every once in a while, I will do something like this. And so I hope that you will return. I'll have a special guest next week. But today I'm going to simply read you something that I've written. Have you ever been reading your Bible and felt super stumped on one story? Or maybe certain words Jesus spoke or a verse or why did God do it this way? Sometimes it's because the message feels unclear. Like we don't really know what's unfolding there. But if I'm being Really honest with you, there are some stories or verses that have bothered me when I've read them, and I've come to love these moments. So I'll tell you why. When we approach God's word, the tendency is for us to think that the message will be immediate. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't he want it to be? We tend to think, if I'm making the effort to sit down with the Lord, and I'm making effort today to sit down and have my quiet time, why wouldn't he want to speak to me during this time? Wouldn't he want me to walk away encouraged? Well, yes, but maybe no. And perhaps we're sitting down with the wrong mindset. Our culture and time in history has a lot of perks that offer immediate gratification. And that's not all bad. Sometimes that's really nice, like grocery pickup or delivery or grabbing something quick that's still healthy in a busy day without having to think about it or prepare it. It's just that God doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. And he is the translator of God's word in our lives. It isn't that God wants to continue to dangle this carrot in front of us on a wild chase, although sometimes we'll admit it can feel this way. The Lord wants us to wait on him because it's in the waiting we tend to find value. In his word, in the waiting, we find more than just encouragement. In the waiting, we find him. And in those moments we question this, we can trust that the word of God never returns void. When we can get past the uncomfortable part of sitting in the dissonance, not having the answers, asking hard questions, not really knowing what we're reading, it's actually this waiting process or the initial feeling of being stumped on something in the Bible that makes me feel more seen and connected to God than even immediate understanding now. It used to feel as though when I didn't understand something, as if I didn't know him, as if I thought, as if I were further from him than I thought before today's reading. But now I get excited about stumbling on these passages because it's come to mean he wants to specifically, wants me to specifically see something and show me something. And when you've learned to dissect the text and wait on him and ask questions only to him, you realize he's preparing to speak to you. 
He's preparing your heart and the waiting, shifting your perspective without you even knowing it. Such was the story in Matthew 15 about the faith of a Canaanite woman. Wedged in between multiple accounts of Jesus' miracles, healing, feeding over 5,000 people, is a woman who had to wait. So if you want to read along, we'll be in Matthew 15, 22 through 28. So I'm going to read it to you. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Okay, there's a lot here, and you should know I am no Bible scholar. Please research this yourself always. But I do want to pull out some things with you today that maybe you heard and questioned or even didn't sit well with you. The first thing that really bothered me on reading it was that she called out and was crying to Jesus over her daughter, who a legitimate reason, who was severely demon-oppressed. And the Bible says he did not answer her a word. And we read that and we have the response of, wait, what? That doesn't sound like Jesus to us. Why wouldn't he answer, especially in her distress, especially since it's for her daughter and after all, she's seeking him. And when I start to feel this way as if I'm seeing some sort of discrepancy in God or Jesus's character, I like to physically journal that line that bothers me most and then write what I know either to be truth situationally or true about his character. So this might look like a little bit like this. I'll write, but he did not answer her a word. And then I'll write underneath that something like, God does not change or cast a shifting shadow, meaning his character is unchanging and never misleading. Jesus is not leaving here. He is listening to her. Jesus has compassion for us. And I know that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Now, this still hasn't given me answers on why he's done this, but it has given me something to cling to. I'm clinging to truth, to what I know to be true of the Lord, even if I don't understand this passage. I'm still following away my why questions, but I'm going to move on. Only then, it seemingly gets a little worse. After the disciples begged Jesus to send her away, after who knows how long she cried out, he tells her he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to the Jews, which is what we know in the Bible to be God's people. In other words, not her because she is a Canaanite. This is hard to accept too, but then something changes in her. After his response, she comes and kneels before Jesus saying, Lord, help me. Notice her physical posture has changed as she has her personal address of him. It's no longer, O Lord, son of David. It's simply Lord. Now this story already feels like a little different Jesus than we know. Emphasis on feels, because it's not. But the next part really doesn't sit well with this. He tells her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ugh, ouch. Aware of all our own shortcomings and likely lack of Jewish heritage, we cringe with those words because this could have very well been me. This could have been you. Yet she continues in her posture of humility that she began in her physical kneeling. 
Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The implication we tend to pick up here, and consequently the incongruence in Jesus' character that we think, is, is Jesus calling her a dog? Well, in short, no. And also, yes. To properly answer this question, we must understand the difference between children and dogs. And yes, even though some of our dogs are like children, I'm sorry to tell some of you there is a difference. For one, children know where their bread comes from. They might not know how it originated or the ins and outs of how it was made, but they know whose hands it comes from. Two, they have the ability to appreciate and sometimes not appreciate the difference between various kinds of bread. My dog Jazz recently ate an entire loaf of my mother-in-law's homemade sourdough bread with garlic and rosemary. She got it off the counter, opened the bag, and ate the entire loaf with absolutely no qualms whatsoever. It was actually kind of impressive. The bag wasn't even torn. Now, she doesn't know where it came from, who brought it, who made it. She has zero appreciation for homemade sourdough, fresh-pressed garlic, or homegrown rosemary. She was just hungry, so she ate it. And to add insult to injury, she would have eaten a squirrel with just as much fervor. The reason it's cruel to take the bread from the children and throw it to the dogs is because the children know what they've lost, and the dog knows not what he's gained. Though we've established this woman was Canaanite and not Jewish, we need to dig a little deeper into that because the Bible never gives us descriptions or details that are not necessary or don't offer more understanding. So when we see those, we should also always ask why. Canaanites, as a general rule, were polytheistic, meaning they served many gods, appealing to them in many capacities, depending on their needs. So struggling to get well, appeal to this God. Struggling to have a baby, call upon that God. Demon oppressed daughter, I've heard Jesus can work miracles. See the logic here? It wasn't that Jesus was calling this woman a dog. It was that he was calling her out from her dog-like mentality in a spiritual way. Always seeking the crumbs that would satisfy the moment, never caring to find the source of the bread of life. Suddenly making her wait makes much more sense, doesn't it? Because had he answered her first plea and healed her daughter immediately, he perhaps would have sent this woman, and consequently her entire household, back into a life of pagan rituals, never realizing they just walked away from the only one who could truly satisfy and save their souls. And as far as her heritage is concerned, we know Jesus came for all, but did she? Was she even making allowance for that possibility in her heart, and then daringly asking him to be her Lord too? Remember our truths about Jesus we went over? He wasn't leaving. He was listening, and he did have compassion, and he was working for her good. But her waiting moved her from seeing him as simply, O Lord, Son of David, among a whole list of gods in her mind, to the master of the table, a place her heart now longed to be, even if it meant being a dog at the master's table. She's no longer serving her own needs to move on. She wants to remain at the table in whatever capacity she is permitted. And look at Jesus's response. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly, or as some might say, from that hour. Isn't it amazing that when she kneels before him, a reflection of the posture of her heart changing, acknowledging him not just as a Lord, but as the Lord, and humbles herself, he praises her. He praises that effort. She was the one choosing the begging life of a dog. 
He was setting a place for her at the table as a child. Then he answers her first request and healing happened instantly. Now, I'm not saying this is what everyone's story will look like in our waiting, but I do think there's a commonality in her waiting and our waiting. Jesus wasn't unwilling to heal her daughter. He just wanted this woman to find true healing for her own heart, the kind that would be long-lasting, eternal. He didn't want her to continue through life settling for crumbs. He wanted her to have the bread of life so that she may have life abundantly. Though her persevering and waiting on the, through her persevering and awaiting on the Lord, he wanted to give her immeasurably more than what she could even ask or imagine. You know, we can be a lot like this woman in terms of our faith and the way we seek him. Though we may not appeal to many gods, we do seek many avenues for answers, wisdom, and comfort. Sometimes I think we even approach his word to satisfied to get some crumbs to sustain us for the day, as if encouragement simply enough. Sometimes we grow frustrated sitting on a passage or a verse feeling like our time with him has grown stale. It hasn't. God is listening. He's not leaving. He does have compassion. He just wants immeasurably more for you than what you're even asking or can imagine. He wants himself for you. Yes, our Lord is a jealous God, but he's jealous for you because he knows he is the only thing that can truly satisfy the longing in your heart. Maybe it's time to change the posture of your heart. Maybe it's time just to sit in the dissonance of not knowing the answers until he brings them so clearly. You know he sees and loves you because he does. The truth is, a person who is willing to wait on the word of God is a person of great faith, just like the Canaanite woman. I don't know what you're waiting on right now. I don't know how your quiet time looks, but I do know the character of God. And I do know that he has immeasurably more for you. So stop seeking that affirmation. Stop looking for love in all the wrong places. Stop settling for crumbs, even in your reading the passage, and look for him and walk away with immeasurably more. Because he's setting a, set, setting a place at the table for you as we speak. But you have to realize you're invited. And you have to humble yourself to know that he is Lord, he is master at the table, and he loves you, and he's already prepared a place. I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope there was something in there for you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a guest next week that I'm really excited for you to hear from, and I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time at the Saltworks. This is your story. This is your story.